The Koi Gig Pod. Morning, Eileen. I think I owe you a phone call. Do I, Kathleen? You do. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I'm sadly down a podcast host, but uh, as long as you qualify us for the arrows, I'll bring it to yeah, Eileen. Subscribe to The Koi Gig Pod on the Off The Ball app now. Off The Ball Daily. All right, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by the Irish hockey captain, Katie Mullen. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. Thanks for having me. After uh, the month that has been, I feel, uh, how are you, has added weight to it at the moment. How has the last month been since Olympic qualification? Yeah, it's been it's been a challenging month. Um, I mean, lots of, lots of support around us, which is good. Um, we've spent as much time together as a group and a team, and I think that speaks volumes of the culture that we have in the Irish women's hockey team. Um, and that's there's been a lot of comfort in that. But okay, yeah, so it wasn't a case of we didn't get the ultimate aim. We'll see in a few months' time. You've actually uh, got comfort from each other. Yeah, definitely. And we we took some time away and went away together for a few days, which was important. Um, just to be in each other's company, and uh, I suppose you know we we all know how the other one feels, and that's uh, important for us to lean on each other and in, in in a tough time. Sports people uh, never like to look past the next game, they say, but an Olympic Games in Paris, I'm sure, was something you had thought about, even logistically, the ease of access for family members to get over and watch. Had you allowed yourself, had people around you allowed yourself to think about going to the Olympics? Yeah, I think um, when we committed to the journey and the cycle, that was that was what, what was sitting in, in, in the end of it as the reward, but... Um, I think the last couple of weeks has given us time to sort of reflect on the entire journey and um, you know you hear it in high performance sport but the journey really is the beauty of it all um, the reward at the end is the nice part that's the bit that you um, that that motivates you and that's mm. where a lot of the desire comes from but the journey really is special and I suppose us as a group only understand how that has felt over the last couple of years the not getting that final goal, though, when you've been sitting down over the last few weeks, because from the outside, we look at the Olympics for hockey as the ultimate goal. I know there's a lot, there's plenty of important tournaments and milestones along the way. But thinking about the next few months, I just, a lot, what might have been and what's going to be, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I think as high performance athletes, um, one of the things that we do is, is we reflect and we learn from every moment. And of course, you're going to think of moments in the game where oh, if I'd done this or if I'd done that would would it be different that's natural that's all part of being um, a top level athlete I think that the thing that you you reflect and you understand is that in that moment the person I was made the decision that I did um, for a reason and given all the information you have in any of those moments in team sport you you make the best best informed decision that you can and when you sit now and you reflect, you're 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 a different person than mm. than the person that was there, and and you can reflect and think, you know, maybe now the person I am might have made a slightly different decision, or the team, you know. Um, but you have to understand that in that moment, you're you're doing the very best for the team, and the team is doing the very best to to get the the outcome that we desire. Might be the best comparison, but it's almost like uh, when the inspector's going in after an air crash and they're analysing it, they never apportion blame. They look at what went on in the training beforehand and what might have contributed to it, that it's not about looking back and going, well, if that person had done this, actually, why did we make those decisions at those times in that match? Yeah, well, hindsight is a wonderful mm. thing and, and, and you learn so much from from these these failures. Like, that's what... That's what um, informs your next steps forward that's how you get better it's how you get stronger 
Um, and, you know, unfortunately, that's the position that we're in now. But um, we do we do look forward and, and it's always been about so much more than, than one tournament or one opportunity. It's been about sport and women in sport and hockey in Ireland and growing the sport and leaving a legacy that hockey becomes um, far bigger than I ever would have dreamed of um, as a young girl growing up playing it. Uh, when you were on your holidays, I'm sure nobody said, let's take out the video of those games, uh, <laughs> the match against Great Britain or the match against Spain. But have you allowed yourself a, a chance to sit down and watch those games? I haven't watched them yet. No, honestly, no, not yet. Um, I will in time. Um, I can remember them very vividly, but um, I think that's all part of part of the learning process is, is being able to, to sit down and watch and reflect and learn from that. But uh, that not hasn't just been, been just yet for me, no. I do always find it so interesting the talk of the journey and I, I always think of Andy Moore and sitting in that chair the former Mayo footballer and talking about losing in it was seven All-Ireland finals and he makes the same point of actually I've spent the last 15 years with my best mates five, six days a week having the time of my life and yeah God I'd love to have won one but actually you couldn't swap it for, for everything that I've been through that bit that we don't see of actually the hours spent together in training the relationships that that you have it, it, it it's a great thing that while you're still playing, you have that sense of perspective, actually, that while we're so cutthroat in the media of there's success and there's failure, actually, there's a big bit in between for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that, you know, is when you reflect on it, one of the things you're actually like, oh, it's 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 the journey that we were on. And, and mm. partly that journey, you know, you don't get the next six months of seeing where we were gonna get to, it's it's maybe not necessarily the the bit at the end of it of, of going to the Olympics. It's actually the rate of progress and the group and the growth and and the team that we were. And you just you get six months of that. You're not getting to to see what what was next. That's the part that you're almost longing for. Right. Um, but for us, what what's the beauty of it is is our group is so young and. Uh, we we're we're ready to go take the next step and although it looks slightly different than than the Olympics this summer, there's definitely still huge opportunity for growth and um for us to get hockey in Ireland to, to the level we want to and to, to make the pro league and to break into the top ten in the world and and that's really that's the overall goal here. That's the, that's the big, big picture. And could you put into context how big a setback it is then not making the Olympics because again from the outside we look this was a group that reached a World Cup final that then go and qualify for the Olympics very soon afterwards it felt as though it was always going just in one direction and then there's actually whoa it's plateaued a little bit here is that is that too simplifying of what's actually happened? Yeah I think when, when you're in it um, I mean we're we're addicted to high performance environments and, and we love being in that in that scenario and I think we as athletes want to continue to drive the sport on to create as many opportunities for the next generation as possible. And I think um, we have a goal of, of making hockey in Ireland a bigger sport. And so it, it, going back to, to the drawing board as to how that happens, yes, you need to go to major tournaments, but actually you need to make sure that the structures are in place that the coaching and the, the quality and training is in place and, and that's a huge part of the next steps for us is is really focusing on that because 
the, the competitions and the, the silverware, that's a byproduct of a very, very successful high performance environment. You can see it in, in the Irish rugby team pushing to be number one in the world mm. for, for such a small nation. That's a huge feat. And uh, we as a, as a hockey team, we strive to, to punch above our weight and put hockey on the map worldwide. And, and yeah, the, the competitions are the byproduct, but actually it's about so much more than that. And is that in place? Because when you make the comparison to the men's rugby team, they have the best of everything. There's no team in the world that have anything that this group can't have access to. When you look around at the teams you're competing against, do you have the similar high performance setup that they have? I suppose the best way to, to describe that is um, we're not full-time professional athletes mm. and um, as much as we would love to be and as much as we are committed um, in every facet of our lives to playing international sport and representing our country, we have to, to battle with having um, jobs alongside of our uh, hockey careers. At the minute, we're, we're two days a week as a squad, which is... Um, which is far more than than when I began my career, but we we need to be full time athletes. Um, we need to be full time professionals as a as a sport, and we should only have to, you know, ask ourselves: Do we still love the game? And is my body still mm. allowing me to play the game? Whereas, if if I'm honest, you as a as a hockey player in Ireland and as a female, you also have to ask yourself. Well, how does my career fit into this? The older that you get, the the sacrifice becomes very different. And the other the other factor is, as a female, you also being honest, you're you're aware that there is a there is a body clock ticking in the back of your head all of the time. And um, so it's not just as simple as you know, is my body let me do it? And do I love the game? Which, for a lot of full time professional athletes, that that is the, yeah. the beauty of it for them. So we're balancing a lot a lot of other battles and. I would love in my lifetime if hockey gets to a place where it just comes down to to um, a much simpler simpler um, idea for an athlete. You're still a, a very young woman. You're, what, 29? Yeah. It does feel that this, from the outside, is the end of a cycle, that Olympic qualification cycle. Have you been having those conversations yourself internally with people around you as to, do I go through this for another four years when you look at career, when you look at what you want to do in your life? Yeah, I think, I mean, you... you like you're constantly weighing up, um, you know, what what's next for yourself. But for me, one of the falters is that we we shouldn't think of it in in the in the idea of four year cycles. We, as I say, we want hockey to be um, one of the top sports um, in Ireland, and we want it to be a successful international sport for us. And so we can't just operate in four-year cycles. We have to be looking at every competition as an opportunity to do that and to make sure that hockey is a, is a top 10. Uh, we are a top 10 nation um, in, in what we do. And so it's, it, we're, it's getting away from, mm. from those four-year cycles, which I think is a really, really positive thing. Um, it, it's, it's the opportunity to go out and represent your country at any, at any competition and for us to to become successful in doing that. And I think with what we've done in the last few years of uh, with, you know, the fantastic support we have from Softco Park Developments and Sport Ireland to allow us to have a hybrid model has meant that that we don't 
um, maybe operate in those four year cycles as much. And we look at, you know, you look at the 2018 success, the World Cup. We've now gone to back to back World Cups. Um, it's just as big as an, o- an opportunity for us as a nation to, to represent on the world stage. Um, it's the same with European competitions. And now we really have this hunger and desire to play in the Pro League, which our men have uh, qualified for and they're currently playing in. And um, it's another facet of international hockey that allows you to play at the top level as regularly as possible. And so, you know, for us as athletes to be able to to travel annually to play in a pro league is is a huge opportunity. Um, and, and again, it, it just is, is where we want to be as a nation. That hybrid model, so you're training at the moment two days a week, there's pros and there's cons to that because quite often a hybrid model is professionalism by stealth. So you're only going to get paid for two weeks, but you're expected to be available seven days a week. You're expected to act like a professional seven days a week. How does that work? Yeah, I think um, it, it's it's fantastic in comparison to, to previously whenever, um, you know, we were coming together at the weekends mm. or, or in regional sessions in the evening. So it definitely is a step up and you can see that in the rate at which the younger players who have just come into the hybrid model have progressed and stepped forward in comparison to, you know, it being a, a little bit slower whenever I was a youngster. Um, and, you know, that's that's the beauty of it. And you can see the success in it in in terms of how well we have progressed and grown. But it, it does make, for me, the best way to describe it is it makes that recovery piece for your body um, the hardest part because we actually train the same amount in the two days um, and we tr- we train pre-work and post-work then in the latter end of the week whilst right. whilst um, going to day, day jobs which uh, Well I guess that's what I'm, I'm wondering that again it does sound like it's almost full time in everything but name and how does that actually exist then within having a life having a job yeah, so, a so the volume of training is the exact mm. same, but where you lose out is is your ability to recover, and uh, you know, sleep gets deprived, um, deprived. Sorry, and um, that that makes it really, really challenging to to make sure that every single session is the absolute maximum for you because you're balancing your your work alongside it and. I mean, that's that's the battle is, is also finding a really, really good um, employer that supports you and understands that you're you're splitting your time to to be an international athlete at the same time. And um, that that that's easier. That's harder to find than, than you might think. Yeah. How do the group find it? Because, look, I think for a lot of employers, it's a huge asset to have a high performance athlete and a, a successful Irish international as, as part of their team. But then there's the practical element of you need them to to work. How are you and your teammates finding that balance where you can what, you can only work three days a week? Yeah, three to four. So some of the girls have uh, have fantastic employers that they have really um, loyal relationships to and um, have been, you know, on their journey for for a number of years, um, but I, I suppose like I I'll be honest, I'm in a transition phase now where where I'm looking to find that, and it's 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 a challenge. Um, and I suppose that the best way to describe it is that, you know, f- for the for the short term, I need your support to allow me to be an international athlete. But hopefully, in the long term, the drive and the desire that I give to my sport 
will be 100% in in my work and in my career and and hopefully they can see the value in that um but but on the flip side of it of course as i said we're, we're addicted to high performance training environments and in a perfect world we would get the opportunity to be athletes all of the time because i think for that step we could really really do do great things on on the world stage how does that step happen i think that that step happens with uh with additional resources and funding and um additional uh support for us to be able to take the financial strain of needing to work the three days a week or four days a week off ourselves to, to purely be able to focus and recover and and take things to the next level that's not to say that without the the support that we have gotten in recent years since the world mm. cup which has made a huge difference to us um especially with regards to being able to do what we have on a monday and tuesday like i i I did have to pinch myself over the last couple of years, sometimes on a Monday morning when I was doing my laps and, and fitness session in Abbottstown. Because this is your work. This, the, the, the beauty of it mm. was sensational, but um, you can't help but as an athlete, you always strive and want more because your hunger is to be the best version of yourself and your hunger as a team is to be the best that you can be. And I believe if we were full-time professionals that that is where that would come from. There are opportunities and various parts of the world to be a full-time professional you were in Australia recently were you full-time professionals when you went over there yeah well we played in a um, hockey one league over there so it was like an interprovincial league okay. um, and we it was a it was a two-month long league so it was a short period of time that we were there for but every day was was just hockey Um there was no we weren't uh, focusing on on work or study outside of that and I suppose for me, I'll give you the, the the best example. It meant that I was the fittest I've ever been in my 12 years going into January, but it also meant that I spent the least time on the physio table that I have in the last five years because in the four months prior to it, I was uh, just focusing on, on, on my body and making sure that um, I was as best recovered for every single session because I had the luxury and time to do that um, because it was just just hockey when we were there so so it was a fantastic opportunity from that perspective yeah did it make you want more did it make you consider actually postponing the move into the real world for a real job for a while and look around Europe for possible full-time opportunities yeah I think um I'm at the stage now where um I've I've played with this team for 12 13 years maybe and uh I, I love it. I love pulling on a green jersey. I have such pride and passion in representing my country and my real passion and desire lies in how good we can become as a nation and as a hockey nation where where we can leave the jersey whenever we finish playing to give the best platform to the next generation. And so being in and around the Irish team to allow us to, to continue to develop and, and get to that level is definitely where my passion lies with the sport right now. You're already doing that, though. When you look and when you talk about what the current young players are getting to enjoy compared to what you were doing when you started out, the fact that they're even getting the two days a week. Yeah. Like that's coming from you, your generation, the success that you've had. You must be incredibly proud of that already. Incredibly proud, incredibly proud. And, and that's where, you know, 
continuing to push this and and seeing where it can go to over over more and more time is very very exciting and it's exciting for for the next generation and um I know that someday I'll be in a rocking chair and I'll be envious of the opportunities that they are getting but um that is a huge part of the legacy that we set especially you know coming home from the World Cup in 2018 mm. and seeing the number of kids that we impacted um, that really lit that fire in us um, and we talk about it a lot as a squad and I suppose when you come away from the disappointment that we've experienced in the last month you have to take it back a level to to understanding really why you play and that definitely comes into it and, and we're very proud of where things have got to uh, we're not stopping here though we, we, we're we hungry to do more Well on those next steps so Hockey is one of those sports that maybe for a large part of the population, we, we jump on the bandwagon when things are going well, when the World Cup comes around, when Olympics come around. And it is also maybe the best example of how uh, government uses the bandwagon. When we had that day when Shane Ross comes back and he announces extra funding and everyone's delighted. And it turns out actually this was funding that had already been out in the public. And that real sense of oh, you're just saying this because it's the right thing to say. What has been happening over the last four or five years since the 2018 World Cup in terms of making those next steps? So obviously you're on to two days a week in terms of government action, in terms of getting more young boys and girls out playing hockey. What are you seeing? It's it's the, the, the sheer number of kids now now playing the sport in comparison. Um, and that's both in the, in the women's and the men's game. You have uh, hockey clubs on the west of Ireland that have hundreds of members and they, and they actually don't have a pitch yet. So the hunger and the desire mm. is there. We just need to support that with with the facilities and the resources, um, and and the the idea of growing our coaching and the quality of coaching that we have across con- the country, and making sure that as many players that have played the game stay involved in it. You see the beauty of that in the GAA. You see it all the time, um, and it's it's making sure that that's happening uh, for us as well. But I suppose you know. I, I still you still meet kids now and that they tell you that they didn't play until until they watched that on the television in 2018 and now now they love the sport and um the the sheer volume of kids playing the sport is is fantastic and and in addition to that the number of the generation above me that have came up and they tell you that they played sport when they they played hockey when they were in school and then they never played and then they went back to it to play for their club vets team or their club fourths or fifths team just for the love of the game. And that's something that's very special that you don't see in in the media or you, you only hear about that when, when mm. someone tells you and, and it's, it's fantastic from that perspective. Um, I guess it all builds towards that ultimate end goal then of the high performance side that actually having more and more children you have more and more families, more and more businesses. The commercial side gets better. That's the sponsorship side gets better, like Softco were in right at the start. And it's still used in presentations as one of the great sponsorship opportunities that they got there right at the beginning of this journey. That if you are to get to that full-time professional status for everybody in the squad, you do need not just government funding. You do need actually a good commercial support base behind that as well. Yeah, you do. And like you look at uh, what the men have, have even achieved in in. The last uh, the last twelve months and getting into the pro league and now they're playing in India in front of hundreds and thousands in India. Mm. It's an amazing setup, but but so that should be any, televised. What is the pro league? Uh, the pro league is um, it's an FIH 
um, league that runs every year. There's women's and men's. There's nine teams in the men's. I think there's maybe ten in the women's at the minute. Um, and they play against each other consistently throughout the year. Um, so it's competition that those top nations are getting that um, if you're not in it, you miss out on lots of high quality competition. They meet, they meet in, in three venues throughout the year and they play like a round robin tournament where they all get to play each other. Um, it's, it's very commercialised. There's, there's, there's good crowds. Um, it's televised across a lot of countries. We need to make sure that that our men in the pro league gets televised soon now too, because again, for for kids to see that and the exposure mm. of of them playing in an annual league, um, you know, not dissimilar to to what happens with the likes of the Six Nations. Um, it's and the best against the best on a regular basis. Exactly, and for for us now, it's it's important that as a women's team, we try to get ourselves into that to be able to compete at that level too because how do you get yourself in so we have a tournament this year in june so in a few months um that we the winner of that tournament uh, qualifies for next year's pro league so the, the this year's pro league is undergoing at the minute um which is what the men are playing in so that that tournament comes up for us in june that will be an enormous step forward then to actually have that regular game time against the other leading nations and you'd imagine with the the training that you're doing coupled with that actually that's the the progress rate could just speed up rapidly yeah definitely since the pro league began it's been something that we've felt that we had the the ability to play in um we felt like we have the quality to play in and it it again would allow that step towards full-time professional athletes um being able to compete consistently on the world stage and um and and then it kind of it, it makes it tricky right now for us to get that consistent high quality competition when we're not in the pro league because those teams that are in it, their fixture list is almost taken up for the year with playing in the pro right. league. So it makes it really tricky. When you're tricky. in, you're in. But yeah. when you're stuck on the outside, it's it's difficult. So it, it definitely, you, you start to see, does it create a little bit of a gap? Um, so it's it's closing that gap and getting in there um, would be massive for us. One thing you mentioned there, obviously at the period you're in in your life, so you're thinking about full-time jobs, you also mentioned the body clock thing. And are we still at the stage where athletes in their late 20s, early 30s, female athletes are thinking, if I want to start a family, I need to retire from the sport? I think that it's it's about um, it's about having the opportunity to um, focus on just playing the sport for mm. your love of the game, and it's the it's probably the career um, needing to work alongside it that makes it challenging um, when you're thinking about okay, well, what's my next steps after that? Do I want to have a family? Then the career needs to start slightly sooner in terms of your working career in order to be able to support yourself to allow that to happen so it definitely comes into it as a female but we want what we need to strive for is that that females are playing the 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 sports and and competing in the sports that they love for as long as possible and that they 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 don't have additional pressures are there um, mothers in the any mothers in the current squad currently there's there's not um it's something that i would love to see in the game of hockey i would um and have you spoken about that with the governing body as to how they would be able to respond to make sure it was possible for a player to come back into the sport after having a baby 
We haven't, um, but I, I've no doubt if we were if we were um, in a position where that was um, something that needed to be discussed, I've no doubt the governing body would support it. Um, I think we're we're at a place now where um, it could it could be very much possible for um, a female to come on to her and and bring their their baby with them. And I've no doubt that us as a team that would only um, add to our culture and connection as a group. Yeah, it, it sounds from talking to you that the biggest miss isn't actually those couple of weeks in Paris uh, later in the year. It's actually those months in between where you would just get to spend so much time together that actually you're going to have a bit of time apart which uh, is not what you want yeah we're definitely we're a family and that includes our our support staff and um, what we've built and created over the last couple of years it's it's such a special thing and um no book or no article or no no media interview um, is ever going to be able to properly portray how special an environment that is um, and I suppose for years and years to come, we'll we'll get together and we'll be able to discuss really what that felt like. And um, going into battle together when you're that connected is a really, really special thing. And, and being able to do it, knowing that your whole nation is behind you and, and supporting you. Um, it kind of it's, it's that part that makes the, the pain that little bit um, worse and, and uh harder to, to overcome because you know that, that that was really such a special thing. Yeah. 13 years into it now with the senior international team, even with the recent disappointment, it doesn't sound like your love of it has waned in any way. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I think that the desire is, desire is so important in high performance sport and I certainly still have a hunger and desire for it. Um you just you just want to make sure that um, you're you're continually bringing the best version of yourself to it and and serving the team as as best as as they need and um, we we uh, we we have a really special group and until uh, until I I stop enjoying it I think I think I'll always have the hunger to be there it's just making sure that um, other parts of my life support me to do so How are you going to deal with getting a, a real job where maybe everybody isn't as a focus on the high performance element Yeah, Some people just turn up 9 to 5 you know That's that's the battle is, um, is convincing um, people that um, high performance sport is incredibly valuable in a workplace environment and the the skills and experience that you that you have from from being in that environment are very, very adaptable. Um, and, and I believe that um, uh, a lot of athletes have been very successful in, in taking that next step into into the workplace. So, um, yeah, for, for me, that's that's the, the conversations that are going on at the minute for me to find the right thing and, and something that I love too. I don't think you're going to have too much of a challenge uh, <laughs> getting a job uh, over the next little while. Listen, thanks a million uh, for coming in. We look forward to following you over the coming months. As you say, this is certainly not uh, the end of the journey for you or for this team either. But uh, Katie Mullen, thanks a million. Thanks for having me.